0: I invite you to take your copy of the scriptures and turn to the old testament book of ezekiel once again our passage this morning will begin in chapter 13 in the book of ezekiel and continue through the middle of chapter 14 down to verse 11 it's a little bit larger portion of god's word we are handling this morning i remind you this is the 10th sermon in our series so far on ezekiel again the year is around 592 bc just a few years before the coming destruction of Jerusalem at the hand of the Babylonians. Ezekiel has been ministering in Babylon to Jewish exiles who had already been brought there a few years before. And as prophet, Ezekiel's been showing God's people through various sign acts displayed as well as prophetic words spoken about that coming judgment destruction upon Jerusalem. And we see And notice over and over again in our series that what shines out of that outpouring of divine wrath and anger is this glorious message of salvation Ezekiel has been entrusted to proclaim, the message of salvation springing up out of God's love and concern uh, for God's people from all of his eternity. Well, that same gospel hope will punctuate our passage in Ezekiel chapters 13 and 14, where Ezekiel is commanded by God to prophesy against three categories of people in his own generation, people who deny God's word and distort God's truth, false prophets, false women who prophesy, and idolatrous elders. These three groups, uh, knowing them ahead of time, I trust will help you follow along in our lengthy reading this morning. And keep in mind, as we were reminded earlier from 2 Timothy chapter 3, that these words are breathed out by God and profitable for the church. Let's uh, hear God's word first, and then we'll pray together, beginning in Ezekiel chapter 13. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who are prophesying, And say to those who prophesy from their own hearts, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. Your prophets have been like jackals among ruins, O Israel. You have not gone up into the breaches or built up a wall for the house of Israel, that it might stand in battle in the day of the Lord." They have seen false visions and lying divinations. They say, declares the Lord, when the Lord has not sent them. And yet they expect him to fulfill their word. Have you not seen a false vision and uttered a lying divination whenever you have said, declares the Lord, although I have not spoken? Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have uttered falsehood and seen lying visions, Therefore, behold, I am against you, declares the Lord God. My hand will be against the prophets who see false visions and who give lying divinations. They shall not be in the council of my people, nor be enrolled in the register of the house of Israel, nor shall they enter the land of Israel. And they, you shall know that I am the Lord. I am the Lord God. Precisely because they have misled my people, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. And because when the people build a wall, these prophets smear it with whitewash, say to those who smear it with whitewash that it shall fall. There will be a deluge of rain, and you, O great hailstones, will fall, and a stormy wind break out. And when the wall falls, will it not be said said to you, Where is the coating with which you smeared it? Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will make a stormy wind break out in my wrath, and there shall be a deluge of of rain in my anger and great hailstones in wrath to make a full end. And I will break down the wall that you have smeared with whitewash and bring it down to the ground so that its foundation will be laid bare. When it falls, you shall perish in the the midst of it, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Thus will I spend my wrath upon the wall And upon those who have smeared it with whitewash, and I will say to you, The wall is no more, nor those who smeared it, the prophets of Israel who prophesied concerning Jerusalem, and saw visions of peace for her, when there was no peace, declares the Lord God. And you, son of man, set your face against the daughters of your people who prophesy out of their own hearts. Prophesy against them and say, Thus says the Lord God, Woe to the women who sew magic bands upon all wrists and make veils for the heads of persons of every stature in the hunt for souls. Will you hunt down souls belonging to my people, and keep your own souls alive? You have profaned me among my people for handful of barleys and for pieces of bread, putting to death souls who should not die, and keeping alive souls who should not live. Buy your line to my people who listen to lies." Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against your magic bands, with which you hunt the souls like birds, and I will tear them from your arms, and I will let the souls whom you hunt go free, the souls like birds. Your veils also I will tear off and deliver my people out of your hand, and they shall be no more in your hand as prey, and you shall know that I am the Lord, because you have disheartened the righteous falsely, although I have not grieved him. And you have encouraged the wicked that he should not turn from his evil way to save his life. Therefore you shall no more see false visions nor practice divination. I will deliver my people out of your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Then certain of the elders of Israel came to me and sat before me. And the word of the Lord came to me, son of man. These men have taken their idols into their hearts and set the stumbling block of their iniquity before their faces. Should I indeed let myself be consulted by them? Therefore speak to them and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, any one of the house of Israel, who takes his idols into his heart and sets the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face, and yet comes to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him, as he comes with a multitude of his idols, that I may lay hold of the hearts of the house of Israel, who are all estranged from me through their idols. Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, Repent, and turn away from your idols, and turn away your faces from all your abominations. For any one of the house of Israel, or of the strangers who sojourn in Israel, who separates himself from me, taking his idols into his heart and putting the stumbling block of his, his iniquity before his face, and yet comes to a prophet to consult me through him. I, the Lord, will answer him myself, and I will set my face against that man. I will make him a sign and a byword and cut him off from the midst of my people, and you shall know that I am the Lord. And if the prophet is deceived and speaks a word, I, the Lord, have deceived the prophet, and I will stretch out my hand against him and will destroy him from the midst of my people Israel. And they shall bear their punishment, the punishment of the prophet and the punishment of the inquirer shall be alike, that the house of Israel may no more go astray from me, nor defile themselves any more with all their transgressions, but that they may be my people and I may be their God, declares the Lord God what well, this reading and uh ends this reading in god's word let's uh pray together and earnestly seek the help of the holy spirit let's uh cry out together heavenly father we thank you that your word uh, is like pure silver refined in a furnace seven times it has no blemish no defect And by the light of its truth, we pray that you would enlighten our eyes this morning, O Lord. In the unfolding of your word, O God, we pray that you would give encouragement and discernment to the people of God and give us faith to believe, give life to the dead and strength to the feeble and wisdom to the simple. You would accomplish our purposes by the preaching of your word. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen every single new testament letter with a possible exception of philemon in some form or fashion directly addresses the danger of false teachers and false teaching or contradictions to god's word it's a quite a remarkable thing actually to think about why it is that all the letters address the church concerning the danger of deviations from the word of god or false teaching not that the apostles were preoccupied with every wind of doctrinal errors but they were elders and shepherds entrusted with a good deposit of the gospel they know that the spiritual life and well-being of god's people depends on the truth the truth revealed in the scriptures is the word of god concerning jesus christ and salvation in him and any distortion of the word of god surely brings harm to the soul The church of jesus christ is a community of the truth and the call given to the church constantly is to stand firm in it to be on guard to contend for the truth to live by the truth and then that brings you the question all the more why then is there so much opposition to that truth why is it that distortions of the gospel abound why so many in every generation oppose the truth and i suppose the answer is really simple because the truth is in a person jesus christ who came full of grace and truth people are naturally allergic to the truth and the grace that is proclaimed in christ because they naturally do not know and love the lord jesus they prefer works of their own hands over grace promoting and practicing either license or or legalism when it comes to religion against the saving grace of the gospel. People prefer deceitfulness of their own hearts over revealed truth of the scriptures as a way of life. So they are willfully blind and resistant to the word of God. And false teaching abounds because false teachers simply cater to the natural inclination. And the same sort of things was going on in Ezekiel's generation. The people heeded not the word of God through the prophets. And on the flip side, they embraced the spiritual lies proclaimed to suit their own fancy. Their itching ears wanted to hear, It is quite all right. The judgment is not coming. Jerusalem will remain in peace and secure. We are just fine. Hence the proverb that circulated among God's people, which we saw last week at the end of chapter 12, the days grow long and every vision comes to nothing. Well, into this kind of delusional and deceived spiritual climate. The prophet Ezekiel brings divine words of judgment against the three groups of people who are false teachers. And in each of these three pronouncements, I want you to see by contrast what the true ministry of the gospel produces among God's people. I want you to take to heart all the more what God's word says to us with that glorious contrast in mind this morning. The three groups of false teaching as opposed to what truly the ministry of the gospel produces among God's people. First and briefly, will you look with me at verses 1 through 16 in chapter 13? where ezekiel prophesies against the false prophets of israel the first category of people the false prophets who had the audacity to say hear the word of the lord or declares the lord or thus says the lord but the source of their prophesying is neither the vision from the lord or, nor the word from the lord ezekiel makes clear in verse 3 that it is all coming from their own hearts and their foolish spirits because they have not seen anything it's all lying divination and falsehood spewed out by false teachers and that's the first category people ezekiel bringing words of judgment against now we know very well the kind of preaching jesus christ has appointed in the church preaching is the preaching of the scriptures we preach the word we're not here to hear a man's heart We're not here to hear a man's experience or a man's opinion. It's the word, the whole counsel of God, the form of sound teaching expounded and applied that God has appointed for his church. It doesn't matter what is uh, in the man's heart who brings the word of God ultimately. Yes, preaching should engage both the preacher's heart and the hearer's heart And it ought to come with that liveliness and the heart engagement with the Lord, but it's ultimately the truth that you need to hear, and the truth we proclaim, we proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the source of every true prophecy. Every preaching, sound preaching, is the teaching from the scriptures. And the source of uh, true prophecy is The word of the Lord. And false prophets in Ezekiel's day uh, were relying on their own hearts and their own lying spirits and their own divinations and nothing of the word of the Lord. If the source of truth teaching is scriptures, then the effect of true ministry under the preaching of the word is edification, that is building of the church. Notice uh, the two descriptions given of the false prophets. Verse 4. Uh, Ezekiel says, the prophets have been like jackals among ruins. Jackals that inhabit abandoned desert places, kind of animals you tend to see in documentaries that forage garbage cans and live among ruins, but jackals who cannot build up a wall or do something about the breaches in the wall, and the false pro- prophets are like that, Ezekiel says. And verse 10, when people do build up a wall, uh, these prophets also smear it with whitewash. The False teachers treat the wounds of God's people lightly. They don't treat sin seriously. They don't do anything to make them well, but rather say peace, peace, when there is no peace, when there is no salvation. And even when there are cracks in the wall, they are... Uh, mode of operation is to smear that wall with a thin coating of lies and deceptions to give it an illusion of standing. They whitewash it with lies and false teaching to give the structure sort of a veneer of shining before ultimately the whole thing collapses. That's the two pictures Ezekiel gives of false prophets, jackals among ruins that are worthless, and whitewashed walls with lies and brothers and sisters that's what any deviation from the gospel ultimately does the whole thing crumbles and collapses in the end churches that formerly clung to the confession of faith it only takes a generation before that whole edifice spiritually comes down as whitewashed walls without any edification False teaching cannot build up. It cannot give health. It cannot address holes and cracks in the edifice. Uh, false teachers don't address sins and problems, just whitewashing it over them all. And that's a re- relevant imagery that carries over because Jesus later calls the Pharisees and the hypocrites, you whitewash tombs. The Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 23, as he stands trial before the council in Jerusalem, when he's struck on the cheek, by the high priest Ananias uh, or upon the high priest Ananias' order. Uh, You remember how Paul says, God strike you, you whitewashed wall. Uh, That's the kind of false teaching carrying into generation after generation in God's people. But what a glorious thing. By contrast, the truth does among God's people and in your own life. The ministry of the gospel edifies and builds up God's people. The word of God says the truth sanctifies God's people. Rather than being like jackals, shepherds who dispense the word of God truly adorns and beautifies, rather than whitewashes the walls of Jerusalem, the people of God. In fact, Ephesians chapter 4 says, using both architectural and anatomical images Uh, says the risen christ appoints teachers and pastors and shepherds to build up the body of christ so that under the ministry of the word of god as the scriptures are uh, proclaimed in the church the people would go on not being tossed to and fro by every wind but they become stable rooted and grounded in love and the body then itself builds itself up in love as they speak the truth In love. That's what the New Testament church has in mind, the effect of the sound ministry of God's truth. It builds itself up rather than whitewashing the walls that will collapse. And that's the picture that we're given in the first section of our passage. And the Lord says He will not tolerate therefore false prophets who mislead God's people through lies. Notice the two things God promises by way of judgment. Uh, the Lord says, verse, uh, verse 10, uh, verse 12, and verse th- 13, I will bring a storm of judgment. There will be a deluge of rain, great hailstones, a stormy wind in wrath, and I will bring it down to the ground. And of course, God has in mind, in the immediate historical context, the Babylonian invasion. They will come like a great storm and bring the whole city of Jerusalem down. And verse 14, you shall perish, you false teachers, in the midst of it when it falls. But that's not the ultimate exhausting of that prophecy because the scripture tells us that judgment will be eternal. Uh, The false prophets will perish eternally. Uh, Verse 9, the false prophets will be cut off from the register of my people. They shall not enter the land of Israel, the land of inheritance. Their portion, those who lie, those who either take away from god's word or add to god's word as we see in revelation chapter 22 their portion will be in the lake of fire so that's the first prophecy against false prophets those who speak out of their own wicked hearts those who do not proclaim god's word but rather use their own lies as though they are the word of god remember how jesus says in his sermon on the mount beware Of false prophets, those who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Now you think false prophets are far removed from our situation. Again, every single New Testament letter is on guard to warn God's people against any deviation from the truth. But, brothers and sisters, you have been given the truth and you have come to know jesus christ who is the prophet of the church jesus is the true prophet who reveals to us by his word and spirit the will of god for your salvation so the only safe way for you to continue to live is to listen to him in his word to listen to him because as peter says in his letter we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which we all will do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until that day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts so the danger of false prophets and by contrast the edifying effects of the true ministry of the gospel from the scriptures but then secondly ezekiel turns his attention to the false prophetess prophetesses in verses 17 through 23 and notice these women at the end of chapter 13 women who prophesy, and again, their mode of operation is lying. Through their lies, through their speaking things that are not true and not in accord with God's word, notice what they end up doing. Ezekiel says they hunt down human souls like birds. They keep alive souls that should not live, and they bring to death souls that should not die. And notice how these women in their ministry, prophetic ministry, use two external things sort of as religious devices. You see them mentioned in verse 18, they sew magic bands on the wrist and put them on the wrist of God's people and they sew and put together a veil and put it on the head of uh, God's people as well. And these are like some... Uh, holy rosary, if you will, used for witchcraft or divination by which the promise of finding God's will and favor is a- a assured. In Ezekiel's generation, uh, these women were resorting to external things to promote spirituality, some external clothing or some external eating through which greater religiosity and holiness are to be expressed and whenever these things happen in whatever form and shape whenever external and outward things are promoted as a means of attaining some higher form of spirituality whether it be clothing food external regulations the apostles call them actually demonic they're against the gospel and the effect of such ministry is devastating Spiritually, Verse 22, they encourage the wicked to keep on in his evil way. And verse 22, again, they grieve and dishearten the righteous falsely through their lies and through these devices. And there were women, apparently, who are de- doing these things in Jerusalem and among the exiled community in Babylon in Ezekiel's generation. And even the New Testament explicitly upholds the primacy and the sufficiency of the word of god you don't need external devices to bring you closer to god all you need you have been given the word the spirit the means of grace god has appointed a prayer and the sacraments through which saints are to grow up in faith and in grace and in comfort and women in Ezekiel's generation operating as false prophetesses were rather resorting to lying and divination? Do you see this kind of thing in our generation? Can you make a mental application to any kind of situation you encounter in your own Christian living? One point of application might be just the fact that women are doing these things new testament explicitly upholds the creation order in the leadership structure of the church whereby men exercise authority in the teaching the word of god and wherever you see the order subverted and trampled upon in the visible church whenever you see any denomination resorting to things like female ordination of eldership against god's word you begin to see the whole structure crumble we see over and over again the encroachment of liberalism. And church history bears witness without failure that whenever these things are promoted, God's people are damaged. Or what about the veil? Not some magical wristband or veil that we use in worship, but what about the veil that the, some in the visible church seek to promote the satanic life, for example, of transgenderism by which they grieve the righteous and elevate the wicked. No biblical teaching on human sexuality but upholding the rightness in their wickedness of the uh, desires in their uh, human wickedness. And whenever these things are promoted again, These are like the wristbands and veils placed over God's people. Lies and divinations. By contrast, people of God, as mentioned, have only uh, all the things uh, given for their sanctification. Ordinary means of grace, by which the righteous are encouraged, and the wicked are called to repentance. Preaching of the word prayer, sacraments, fellowship of the saints. In these great ordinary things, the extraordinary power of God's salvation is seen, and we are to continue in them. The righteous are in, to be encouraged, not by external means, but through God's own appointment. So as the women hunt the souls of men, oh, what a marvelous joy it is to know that the, what the truth does to souls when god's truth is ministered to you through the ordinary means of grace the truth sets your soul free the truth fills your soul with good things the truth feeds you and nourishes your soul the gospel of jesus christ comes and hydrate your soul with the riches of the grace of the lord jesus christ may we continually rejoice in them believers And may we never seek to resort to anything and never turn away from God's appointed means of grace. But then thirdly and finally, you see the idolatrous elders mentioned in chapter 14, verses 1 through 11. These are a group of people living in exile coming to Ezekiel. And they were somewhat nonchalantly wanting to divine God's will for them. They're coming to Ezekiel with a veneer of religiosity. What is the word of the Lord for us? What is the will of the Lord for us? But the Lord says in verse 3, these elders, leaders among God's people, have actually taken idols into their hearts, have elevated and set up and ascended idols in their hearts, and through their idolatry sets the stumbling block of the iniquity before them, also for others Uh, they are the violators in other words of first commandment when God says you shall have no other gods before me that is before God's presence they're thinking their heart is hidden from God and they were living with heart idols even in the land of Babylon what a stark warning and a reminder to all of us believers that the ultimate human problem is the human heart They have, in one sense, temporally temporally experienced something of God's displeasure and judgment in being exiled to Babylon. And yet here in the land of Babylon, their heart was yet full of idols because the human heart is the factory of idols. No amount of trials and personal disasters and calamities in the providence of God have the power to change unregenerate men's heart no amount of divine chastening if they have the eyes to see have the power to cleanse them from heart idolatry you would think that they would have learned better here they are living in babylon yet they're clinging to idols through which the lord says they have separated themselves from me and they have become defiled Oh, what, a, what a what a sobering call it is the apostle john concluding his first letter writing to the little children at the end of first john chapter 5 little children keep yourself from idols christians ought to live by the first commandment jesus christ must be your wholehearted uh, consecrated uh, object of devotion and worship and love and service. If anything is before Christ, if anything is elevated over Christ, if anything is more cherished and relished more than Jesus Christ, it is an idol of the heart. And God comes to speak his words again. uh, He says, I will not deal, uh, uh, I will not answer, I, the Lord, verse 4, will answer him as uh, he comes with a multitude of his idols, and um, the Lord says, I will answer uh, the idolaters according to the multitude of his idols. Oh, what a frightening thing that is that the greatest form of judgment we see in human life is when heart is given over to idols. When the Lord who says, I will deal with you according to the multitude of my mercies, actually deal with people according to the multitude of your idols and give your heart to pursue what you have set your affections upon. That kind of thing we see all around kind of thing that uh, people when they do not begin to follow the Lord wholeheartedly as we see in uh, Demas in love with the world as we see with Judas in love with money and as we see with people who makes shipwreck of faith what is the hope for idolaters idolaters who are defiled and separated from God Idolaters who still maintain religiosity. They are still cuddling and doting upon idols, and yet still coming to the prophet to inquire of the Lord, what is the will of God for me? While still living in sin, they want to hear the word of the Lord. There's only one call God gives in verse 6, and that call is to repent. Repent and turn away from your idols, and turn away your faces from all your abominations In verses 9 8 and 9 the judgment is promised unless if they do not turn and turn back to me they shall bear the punishment and both the prophet and the inquirer of the prophet both the idolater's elder and the false prophet will bear the judgment and so my face will be set against them man uh, he will be made a sign and a byword, and he will be cut off from the midst of the people. I will punish all idolaters. Oh, that's the warning and the message of judgment. But when you read the judgment, uh, do we not uh, go in our own mind to the one who bore the very judgment pronounced against idolaters? It is when the Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross, bearing all of our iniquities and the idols of our making. He, upon the cross, became that man, singled out in verse 8, against whom the face of the Lord had turned. He became the man who became a sign and a byword when he hung upon the cross. He became cut off from the land of the living, from the midst of the people. Of God. Jesus Christ died for idolaters. And Jesus Christ, the risen shepherd, the chief elder of the church, comes to shepherd the hearts of God's people away from idols and heals us from idolatry. Later in Ezekiel chapter 36, we read this glorious covenant promise where the Lord says, I will sprinkle clean water on you. And you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. But the only hope for idolaters is the one who died for idolaters, the Lord Jesus Christ. He, risen now, heals us By his covenant mercy and grace, from all forms of idolatry, idolatry. so that as we read in verse 11, so that the house of Israel may no more go astray from me, nor defile themselves, but that they may be my people, and I may be their God. Brothers and sisters, that's what Jesus, your chief shepherd and elder, has done for you. By his covenant mercy, he means to save you from all the defilement of idols in your heart. He means to bring you out of your devotion to idol into devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he who offered himself for you now demands you to return to him and repent and be devoted to him. The only thing that will keep on keep you going in the way of the Lord is to apprehend in the preaching of the gospel that he is the only healer and savior of idolaters so ask yourself a question what is truly in my heart this morning elders in the land of babylon were taken up with idols in their heart are there things that by the grace of god you need to put away then may the preaching of the gospel and the truth drive to the one who did die for your idol, your idolatry and therefore is able to heal you and save you from your idolatry, call upon his name, repent, and turn to him because he is yours and you are his alone. And with that reminder, let's come to the table to commune with our gracious Savior, who indeed is our healer. Let's pray together.